I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. All right, gang, welcome. So we're just about to get on with the show, but I wanted to give you a quick heads up and a little offer so that we can kick this off in style. Now, you know that I'm always yapping on about high performance sport, health, life. It's all the same. It's all interconnected. And the truth is that whether you're a world-class athlete, a very busy executive seeking energy for leadership, or just a time-starved parent, your performance in sport and life is always built on a platform of health. And when we work with athletes or those that embrace the athletic mindset, we seek to build an integrated endurance training program that comes combined with strength and conditioning. And then when we integrate it and support it with great habits around nutrition and recovery, including sleep, something always happens. And that's that people thrive, they improve. And that's a good thing. But how do we know this happens? How can we track? How can we make more informed decisions Or how can we course correct if things start to stray off track? Well, we can measure things. We can understand what's going on inside. Yes, we can. And that's because we've formed a deep partnership with Inside Tracker so that we can become smarter with our strategies around things like eating habits, stress reduction, and even training prescription. And on top of it, we can lay out measurable gains of improvement. What's inside Tracker? Well, it was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. And using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on. And then they offer some science-backed, and that's the key thing, always science-backed, recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Hmm, a platform of health, your route to performance. So I recommend you get involved. For a limited time, Purple Patch listeners can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. All you need to do is head to insidetracker.com slash purplepatchpodcast and enter the code purplepatchpro25. That's purplepatchpro25. And you can get started. Now, if you're an international listener, reach out to us directly, info at purplepatchfitness.com, and we will make sure that you get the help you need so that you can get tucked in. All right, now, today, it's a goodie, so let's get on with the show. Here is uh, me with the introduction. I hope you enjoy. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast, as ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And let me tell you, you are weak. Okay, I don't mean that. But today is all about shoring up your performance weaknesses. And it is the perfect time to commence a project, as I like to call them. And guess what? I want to help. And what we've decided to do today is have a little bit of fun and go about things a little differently, but all flowing through with the fact that I'm going to have a flow of responses from a game of lucky dip with my sidekick here, Barry, who's our camera operator in Studio San Francisco, as well as all things Purple Patch Podcast. Now, a lot more of that later, 
but it is suffice to, for you to know that our mission today is to help you on a path of converting weakness to strength, liability to performance improvements. And this topic fits perfectly with the time in the year we find ourselves in. Because as we begin to roll into the winter months and away from the demands of racing, it is the prime time to focus for most of us. Now, I hope today's show provides some perspective, some inspiration, and a path for you setting up your own personal strategy for improvement. But before we get going, I've got a few things I want to tell you. And so let's do it in the Squatty Update. Yes, folks, get your pens and papers out. It is the Squatty Update because we have a couple of cracking events coming up. The first an evening with our partners inside Tracker. I promised you education, not just sponsorship, and we are kicking it off. We have an evening focused around building a platform of health. Now, this is going to be a free webinar with several folks from the Inside Tracker team, including registered dietitian Stevie Lynn Smith. And it's going to include myself as well, of course. And it promises to be a highly engaging and insightful evening for anyone seeking to build a platform of health in order to pursue great performance. That is going to be on Thursday, October the 21st. We also have a live event for folks heading to Ironman, Florida. Yes, Panama City in the panhandle of Florida. I am hosting a live pre-race course overview. That's going to be on October the 26th. And the mission? To help you thrive at this most stored event. Oh, and I promise you, a few restaurant recommendations. Although my choices are slim, so it's probably going to boil down to a Waffle House. And finally... For those of you listening that are inspired or perhaps planning on taking on the big endurance challenge, an Ironman race, if you've registered or maybe you're sitting on the fence contemplating, perhaps you've got a friend or partner and they're planning to go on the journey. Well, guess what? This live webinar is for you because I'm going to paint a picture of what you can expect some of the pitfalls that I want you to avoid along the journey and how to make the whole journey itself a magical experience rather than something ju that just ends up being a monkey on the back of the rest of your time-starved life. This one's a really big one, an important one, if you are considering doing your first Ironman race, and that is going to be live November the 6th with me. Now, all of these events are going to be recorded. And we will send the recording to registrants following. So if you're unable to attend live, you should still register because, of course, we're going to follow up with some extra bonus information and knowledge as well. And I should point out they're all free and they're absolutely open to anyone. You do not need to be a Purple Patch athlete to participate. All you need to do, head to purplepatchfitness.com and then go to the events page and you can see all of the details there. Now, I also realize that some of you folks listening are going to finish to listening to today's show and you might be inspired. You might think, hmm, it's time for me to take action, begin my own project. Well, if you do find yourself one of those and you're seeking help, let us help you. You can come and join our squad program, maybe participate in individual coaching or even register some interest for our upcoming bike or run only focused squad programs. All you need to do is email us, info at purplepatchfitness.com, 
and we'll be happy to support you via email or, of course, set up a complimentary com consultation for you. So a lot of good stuff there. And that is the squatty update. Now, Barry, you're going to get busy this week. We're actually going to bypass word of the week this week. We're going to go right to the meat and potatoes. But let me say this, but you're not off the hook, mate, because I know you're just about to tuck into some fish and chips, but I'm going to need your help with some of the lucky dip events that we're launching today. And so, ladies and gentlemen, shoring up your weaknesses. Let's get on with it. It is the meat and potatoes. Yes, folks, the meat and potatoes, it is that time. And we find ourselves, at least most of ourselves, in off-season. And off-season is such a critical part of an athlete or performance journey globally. The time between your last race when it finishes and when you start to focus on very serious training again. And that window, that gap, sometimes a few weeks, sometimes even a couple of months, it is the number one predictor for me on an athlete or a performance-minded enthusiast setting themselves up for success in the year ahead. Now, over the course of off-season, as we talked about in the recent shows, we want to utilize this time to really have some clearance for mental and physical rejuvenation. So we want to integrate a nice break. It's very important that we reduce our total training load and our cognitive load on too much focus on training at this time. So yes, it is important to really embrace some rejuvenation. It's a long, hard journey ahead of us. But, and this is where today's show comes in, it's also an absolutely critical time of preparation. It is a preparatory phase of training. It's all about habit building and setting yourself up for success that when you do turn it back on again, you are ready. And this is why shoring up your weaknesses right now fits squarely into the big puzzle. The timing is perfect. In fact, this is really the only timing that you can embrace the opportunity to shore up your weaknesses. But to really understand this, I want to dive a little deeper before we just get into the granular stuff. And I want to talk about something that I have talked about on this show before, the model of performance. Now, this is a model of performance that I like athletes, as well as business executives, by the way, to think about when they go about their performance journey or leading their team. It's very, very good for coaches. And there are four elements of a cyclical nature. You want to think about it almost like an affinity diagram, and it cycles through. So in phase one of our performance cycle over the course of any given season or year or maybe quarter for a business, there is a phase one that is so critical. Now, we're going to keep it to athletics for today's show. This phase one is what I would define as purpose really making sure that we have time to pause, reflect, and establish the purpose. What are we looking to achieve? What are the goals? What are the missions? You might call this season planning for an athlete, but it goes beyond that. It really is coming up a level and sometimes thinking multiple years in advance and saying, why am I doing this? What am I looking to achieve? And then out of that, starting to understand, okay, how am I going to build a season to get about it? 
And so purpose is the first step in this affinity cycle of performance. Once we've done that, then if it was an employee, we'd say, okay, who do we need on the team to go and execute this purpose? So we would actually start to think about building teams. For an athlete, we would start to identify focus. What are the things that we need to focus on out of everything that we could focus on? What are the things that are going to be the boulders of performance, the absolutely critical things that are non-negotiable, that are going to help you over the course of the coming weeks, the coming quarter, the coming season to start to move you towards your goals, start to actually start to follow the track towards the purpose, the reason for being. And so we call that focus identification. And once you've done that, and only once you've done that, then you can get busy on the doing, the execution. Now, when you close your eyes and you think about coaching, this is the phase where the classical coaching happens because the athlete starts the doing. They start swimming, cycling, and running if they're a triathlete with some strength training, integrating habits, all of the stuff that we talk about. And with purpose identified and with our focus established, that's where I can help as a coach to say, okay, you're keeping up your end of the bargain, you're establishing your accountability, and also can help the athlete course correct if things go wrong. And of course, what they do from there is they get on and they race and they have good performances, they have challenges, they have maybe sometimes failures of which we build from and learn from, and then they build their whole season. And finally, once you've gone through that season, there's a critical component that we call re-engagement. And what that re-engagement is, is a point to reflect, to learn what went right and wrong, and then to start to reinvigorate, reimagine, and re-inspire the athlete or the team, the employee, whatever is focusable, and then get back to, okay, let's do this again. Because we all hold hands, this is a performance journey. Now, that last phase there, the re-engagement, is so critical because it offers us the opportunity to come up a level and to think, hmm, what did I do well? What can I improve? And then ultimately, what will have a positive impact? Because sometimes there are things that could improve, be improved, but are they really the things that are going to actually move the performance needle? And of course, the answer to all of these for athletes is very seldom found in just, I need more toys. I need to track more. It's always in habits and approach. So as you sit here today listening, the likelihood is that you're somewhere between re-engaging and that first phase that, of course, cycles through of defining your purpose. What is your personal excellence? What are you looking to achieve? What races are you going to do? Our checkpoints along that journey to self-improvement. And you start to establish a roadmap. And that roadmap is the place there that you can decide, here's the magic word, your focus. And so as you go through this process, you've got a little bit of reflection, a little bit of honesty, and all of that good stuff that we need to go through. And it's all about the spirit of building. 
Because as you go through that purpose and you start to establish a roadmap, you start to think, where am I strong and where can I build on that? But most importantly, where am I weak? And how do I shore up those weaknesses to help myself? And this time, the off season, the phase of preparation, this is the time. And it's the time because your overall training stress is much, much lower. You're actually not under a burden to go and chase massive fitness right now. You don't have any looming race deadlines coming up where if you shift and you think, oh, I've got to build on a weakness, you're losing times on strength. And so this is the time. And the off season is exactly the point to start it because you're looking to have a phase of preparation. You're looking to develop a platform of tissue resilience. And you also have the opportunity to develop really positive habits. And so today, what I want to do is provide a guide of improving your weaknesses. And what we did is we sat around as a team, me just being the lead of the show, and we said, what are some of the most common weaknesses or maybe topics that we always hear? What are some of them that are viable? And goodness me, there was a big list. I'm just going to give you the top eight of these. They included things like breaking the injury cycle, habit creation, training consistency, very challenging for people, mindset and performance anxiety, nutrition and fueling. And then some of the more sports specific ones, swimming, cycling, running, how do I improve my run weakness, my bike weakness, etc. And the list went on. And we thought, goodness me. There's no way that I can provide perspective and an approach for each one of those, let alone all the others, in a single show. And I know that there are so many topics that I didn't even mention there. And so I scratched my head and I thought, how can we do this to make it fair for everyone? We don't want to play favorites now. And I thought, I know, I've got someone there just eating their fish and chips and doing nothing. Job is done, played the ukulele, all of that good stuff. And so I said to Barry, thank you, Barry, you will remain silent, but you have an active role. We're going to play Lucky Dip. And so with our eight topics, breaking the injury cycle, habit creation, training consistency, mindset, performance, anxiety, nutrition and fueling, swim, bike, run, we're going to play Lucky Dip. And I'm going to need your help, Barry. Before you ask, as I mentioned, no, it is not a speaking part and you must finish up your fish and chips as quickly as possible. I know it's been a long day, but out of the eight topics, what we're going to do is choose three just for today, and they're going to be at completely random. And what I'm going to do is provide my thoughts, my responses on each one of these three. And it's going to be pretty responsive today. Maybe I'll get a little scattered in my answers, but it should be a fun game. And so we've got the topics and I'm just going to give you the bowl, the golden jar, as we're calling it. You're going to pick it out. And once it comes on, I'll respond. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we can only tackle three. Now, before you ask, yes, if your special topic doesn't come out, I'm sure we're going to do this again. But you've got eight opportunities. And by the way, if you didn't hear one of your topics, I want to say this before we start feel free to email us info at purplepatchfitness.com. And if you email us a topic, I will put it into the golden jar for the next time we focus on weaknesses. But here we go. We'll give it a good shake. Okay. All good. And here we go, Barry. Let's pick the first one out. 
Okay, and goodness me, it's freaking, it's, this, it's grease all over this thing, Gary. I can hardly, your handwriting's rubbish. It's, did you ever try it at school at all, Barry? It's, it is absolutely absurd. I can hardly read what you've written, but okay, I'll get back to it. It is, I mean, there's a piece of paper, Barry, I want to point out, and it is covered in Greece from your fish and chips. And then I open it up and your handwriting is so, I mean, it looks like it could, it could look like it's Greek or it could look like it's from the 1600s in England. And you were born in Pittsburgh. I don't, I don't, anyway, anyway, okay, I, I can read it now. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen, I've got it. All right, your first topic is just single word from Barry, injury. Okay, so I've got to, I've got to think about injury and weakness. Now, you guys are going to get some, some highly responsive coaching here. I'm going to buy my time. Here we go. Injury. All right. How do I want to go about this? Here's, here's what we want to say. If you are someone who constantly experiences setbacks because of niggles and injuries, and then I would say that your quest in the coming months just so happens to be the purple patch word for 2022. And that word is resilient. We want to build resilience, but I promise you it must start now, or at least now-ish. Because you need to begin your journey of becoming structurally, like the chassis of a car, structurally resilient and less prone to injuries right now. And I can't cure you with a tiny sliver of a podcast show. But what I can do is lay the groundwork of how to think about it and improving this very, very common weak point. In fact, it's the dearth for so many endurance athletes. I tend to go through several injuries every year. Now, the first thing that I should point out, when you do get injured, so we're going to talk about shoring up a weakness, but I do want to say this, when you do get injured, the one thing that's really important, if you face an injury is to ensure that you don't just stop everything and allow the rest of your body to detrain. That's the fastest route to get into a vicious cycle of injury repetition. So I'll give you an example. If you pull your Achilles and it's strained, you might not be able to run, but you need to do everything else in your absolute power to train the body to maintain fitness and resilience while you are rehabbing that particular point of the body. Otherwise, the rest of your body will start to decondition. And when the Achilles is fixed, when you do return to activity, you've got a much, much higher propensity to get injured, either the Achilles, but more likely a different component, often on the opposing side of the body. And so, first thing, Train through injuries within context of allowing breathing room and rehab to occur on the actual injury place. Okay, so that's what happens if you do get injured, but that's not what the point of the show is. The point of the show is shoring up weaknesses. And so with injury, I first want to give you some perspective. While there is a genetic component to injury cycles, and I actually happen to be someone that is relatively resilient to overuse injuries, lucky me. But I will say that even though there is an, a genetic component to it, you kind of get a little bit of the luck of the draw. It is seldom a single fix to become a more structurally resilient person. Injuries tend to bubble out of a few elements that compound 
to corrupt your overall performance recipe. And so there are some things that I can give you today to think about. And the first thing takes a tremendous amount of bravery. And that's if you are stuck in repeated cycles of injury, I would first review your regular training load within the context of your life. And how about this? How about you go about the coming six months through your off-season or post-season, as we like to call it, through to the first few months of next year, how about you do a little brave experiment? And this is especially true if you're an event-driven person, but also prone to injuries. And what I'm going to recommend is that you dial it back a touch. What? Do less? No. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying do more effective training. So you're actually going to dial back overall training load, but make sure that the training load you're doing is really effective. Because if by, by definition, if you are consistently injured, then it is likely going to be better for you to create a truly sustainable training rhythm that actually fits into the other stresses of your life. So you need to actually integrate training into the context of your life. And if you go about for the next four, five, six months, absolutely nailing every one of your weekly training hours, but those weekly training hours are 20 or 25% less than prior, then you might actually have a little bit of reduction of training stress, but it might be really effective within the context of stress. And if, 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 if you are able to navigate those months with great consistency and without injury, you're going to be building resilience. And it is a platform of health that you can build from. And maybe you start to dial it up. Now, this sounds really radical, but those that have courage and can embrace a longer term lens of performance often end up with the simple epiphany that a part of the challenge was that in honesty, despite being ambitious, they were just doing a little too much in training load, either in training hours or training intensity within the context of a really, really busy time starved life. And so it sounds very basic, but that might be step number one. Now, number two, when we realize this, that isn't going to be the fix. So I don't want you to go away from this show and say, oh, he just told me to do less. There you go. Reduction of load is likely part one. But I would then invite you to absolutely commit to what I will label the total athlete approach. Yes, instead of just simply training in the discipline of the passion and demands of your sport that you choose, let's call it triathlon because that's the DNA of Purple Patch, perhaps broaden things out a little bit. Here's a crazy idea. Integrate full strength and conditioning, including mobility work. Remember, I've just started week one down into second week, day one down. And so far, it's good. Come and join me on that. It's going to help you build resilience. But also, have a little bit of courage to broaden your perspective on what endurance activity is. If you are a triathlete, maybe extend it out and do some other activities. If you're just a runner, maybe try riding your bike a little bit, integrating a little bit of rowing machine, whatever it might be. But broadening the perspective and the stimulus on the body, mixing it up, hitting four, five, six months of that broader lens is going to be a powerful tool to help you very patiently 
And that's the word through the longer term lens, build structural resilience. What did I say? Resilience or resilient is the word for purple patch in 2022. Well, there we go. Now, there are two other editions. No, let me strike that. There are three other editions that feed directly into injury prevention. In other words, shoring up the weakness of the injury cycle. So there are three other little elements. Number one, encouraging you to build a, and a very careful build of tissue resilience. This is a wonderful time of year if you're a runner to avoid high, high intensity work and high impact running. Instead, choose a recipe of short, easy, and frequent. Short, easy, frequent, really form-focused and soul-filling. It doesn't take up much cognitive capacity because you really can wander around and check on form. And your running at this time of the year can be much, much less focus on objectively chasing, trying to build fitness, trying to get faster, and instead have a mental focus around simply building tissue resilience, muscles, tendons, ligaments. When you have that shift in focus, you will actually build in a tsunami-like approach with frequent, often easy, a great catalyst of tissue resilience. And that is what a winter run project looks like. So that's number one of our add-ons. Number two, a great time to establish really good habits of fueling and eating. That's the second of our third three add-ons. And it is a simple fact, ladies and gentlemen, that most endurance athletes accidentally, not because of necessarily any mental relationship with food, but accidentally underfuel relative to their training load. And so this is a great time to really investigate, to have a little bit of reflection, potentially get some coaching and support and build positive habits. This is exactly the reason why we are partnered with FuelIn the new nutrition app that sort of democratizes the approach of performance nutrition. We've had Scott Tyndall on, you know Scott by now, listening to the recent episodes. It's a reason that we are partnered with them to help athletes establish really, really good habits. And so post-workout fueling is just the starting point of improving your habits around nutrition, but by extension, making sure that you're optimizing your tissue health and resilience. And what's the final add-on to this one? It's very simple. It's a great time to focus on it. Habit-driven, sleep. You see, sleep and rest is the time that adaptations occur. It's the time that all of your recovery, your tissue health improves, improves. So if you are consistently sleeping poorly, or you undervalue sleep as a performance priority, your risk for injury amplifies. And so those are our three little add-ons. And you can see that fixing injury cycles takes really brave intervention. And I would say it's almost impossible to attack the anchor, the absolute drag of your performance of progression when you are in the months that lead up to a specific target event or race. You just can't focus on, oh, I'm going to suddenly try and avoid injury now. It has to start now. And in fact, I would even say it's about the only time that you can really, truly, honestly form habits and approaches that are actually going to help you become more resilient next year. So think about that for a second. When so many people go random, 
stray completely off track, take a break. They are absolutely sabotaging themselves. They are setting themselves up for continued injuries and experiences that are really self-deflating. And then, of course, what happens? You start to hear this. Oh, I just can't run. I've got really bad knees. No, the honest truth is, the brutal truth is that you haven't taken the action to address the root causes of why your knees hurt in the first place. And we can fix that. But not if you can completely go rogue every time at this time of the year. And so if you want to fix the injury weakness, act now. Whew. All right. So Barry, one down. That was a wordy response. I'll try and I will try and keep it a bit more succinct, mate. Yes, I will try and get to the point. Thank you very much, sausage fingers. Okay, Barry, what is our next weakness fix opportunity? Pass the golden jar to the man. Go and have that rummage. All right, here we go. Here it is. Clean paper for once. Almost... Legible and oh, Barry, it's a good one. It is the swim weakness. You have come up with a goodie, my friend. All of you folks out here with the affliction of being an adult onset swimmer. What a terrible disease it is. It's almost like veganism. Goodness me, I feel so sorry for you. Taking all the joy out of eating. Just kidding, vegans. An adult onset swimmer. It's a very serious challenge to convert from a weakness to a, well, less of a weakness. You see, in honesty, it's kind of rare to be able to truly evolve as an adult onset swimmer from a weakness to a true weapon or strength. But, and this is a big but, it is really important. It's a great journey to go on. And so if swimming is your true weakness, this is a great time of the year where you want to shift your focus and actually really prioritize it. And the way I'm going to go about this one is I think I'm going to just outline my a few key statements around this topic. And then maybe I'll add some context. It's going to help me mentally frame it as I'm going off the cuff here. So here we go. Number one, you cannot do this alone. Number two, you're going to have to fall in love with swimming. And number three, it is a commitment, but it's a commitment that will have a broader positive performance impact. So you've got, you cannot do it alone. You have to fall in love with swimming, the sport. And by going on the journey, basically you're going to have a more performance or a broader performance positive impact. So we need to unpack these three statements. And I think by unpacking them, it will tell you all you need to know about why now is a super time to convert a swim weakness towards, let's call it, a strength. So number one, you cannot do it alone. Swimming is a funny sport. It is one in which 90% of your body weight is dispersed. You are in a completely foreign environment. And amongst all the other sports I can think of, it is perhaps the one that most benefits to at least having some of your swimming training occurring in a group setting. Now, first, it makes it immeasurably more enjoyable. It is almost close to impossible to do what is necessary for you to truly improve and do it successfully if every one of your swim sessions is executed alone. And that's really challenging for some of you guys to hear, but 
I'm here to tell you the truth, not what you want to hear. In addition, the reason that group settings are really good is by putting yourself in with others and hopefully other faster swimmers, that is going to help you drive towards your success. Because despite many folks' assertions, you cannot technique your way only to improvement. Technical improvements are a part of the process, but so is developing great fitness and muscular endurance. And in order to do all of that, build technique and then build up some real, what we call muscular endurance and cardiovascular fitness, you've got to commit now. You can't wait until the last 12, 16, 20 weeks into your big events. So what you want to do is you want to begin with a technical evolution and you want to do that synonymously or in parallel to building your fitness. And then what you can do is execute the months and months and months of very hard swim challenge, hopefully at least 50% of it in a group setting. And what happens after that is you are successful. And so that is why you cannot do this alone, which brings me to statement number two, you're going to have to fall in love. I'll never forget my very first pro triathlete that I coached, Tyler Stewart, wonderful athlete. She was age group champion at the Hawaii Ironman. She went on to become a professional. She became an Ironman champion. She was a very weak swimmer. I bought her a swim cap as soon as she was thinking about turning professional, and it had on the side of it, I love swimming. She had to wear that every single day she swam. And the reason for that is for a swim project to be successful, it simply requires months long of focus and commitment. So if you're a triathlete, a swim project is probably only going to be successful if you shift your training balance to include your weekly training hours comprising of maybe 30, 40, up to 50% of them consumed by swimming for multiple months in a row. Now think about that. That's a lot. Consider the sport of cycling. It's very, very easy to accumulate hours on the bike, two-hour bike ride, three-hour bike ride. Try going for a three-hour swim. Not quite the same. And so with this broader statement on hours and ratios, it's quite broad. It's rough. I don't want you to attach too much to it, but the point is there. You need to swim and you need to swim a lot for months on end. That's why it needs to begin kind of nowish. And what you're looking to do is you're looking to improve a discipline that is taking place in a foreign environment that is quite technical and requires great conditioning for you to really be successful. And my analogy for this is, look, you ain't going to become fluent in French, bonjour, from just one private lesson a week. And you're not going to become great in swimming from just going to the swimming pool twice a week. Frequency is everything. And so you better find a way to make it fun, challenging, and immersive, or it just won't work. Hmm. Go back to point number one. It's more enjoyable in groups. And finally, with a swim project, I encourage you to have a broader lens on some of the positive impacts. And this is an important one because an understandable fear of taking on a swim project is what's going to happen to the other disciplines? If you're a triathlete, oh, 
Isn't my bike and run going to suffer? And this is a very common, understandable, I might add, but a common pushback from athletes. I completely get it. And then their arguments get louder and louder. Hang on, you're asking me to do a swim project, but the swim project only takes up X percent of my overall race. And on top of it, even if I do pour my heart and soul into swimming, I'm going to get minimal absolute time gains. Can't I get more time from working on my bike or my run? My run was really poor at the last half Ironman. Didn't you see it? Well, here's the thing, guys. And this is the thing that's really important. I should say folks, not guys. I apologize. The generic guys, let's call it that. But here is the thing, folks. You don't just focus on a swim weakness just to improve the swim. I'll repeat that again. The mission of, of trying to focus on a swim weakness doesn't just yield improvement in the swim. I have never, ever, ever seen an athlete complete a dedicated swim project over the course of the winter months without becoming an improved athlete in a broader context. Think about that. Of all of the athletes that I've ever coached, every one of them that has gone, I'm in, I'm doing a swim project. Every one of them has improved and become a better triathlete. Whew. Sounds compelling, right? And it should. Because if you nail off-season and you commit to an ongoing journey, there's plenty of room within this swim focus for you to still hit that run frequency that we talked about at the same time, for you to actually anchor around strength and conditioning, for you to prepare the tissue and even improve your running mechanics. And on top of that, you've still got time to do one or two really important preparatory key bike sessions. They're going to help you develop your form and your posture, as well as some of the strength endurance work that we like to do. We might come back to that later, depending on our last topic. But it gives you capacity still to really focus on swimming. And when we start to evolve and we put the serious training hat back on, you can dial back your swimming. And in place of that, you can really start to ramp up your running focus and, of course, your riding focus and hours. And that happens to coincide when the weather improves. And so what I encourage you to do for challenge number two is find a great group. Anchor it with some highly tailored, specific triathlon swimming focus sessions. Allow yourself to have a lower training load in the bike and run and become a better swimmer. And on the way, you'll become a better triathlete. Now, of course, if you can add some challenges and some targets, maybe even some swim races, hey, you might just fall in love with the sport. Pretty good stuff, huh? Ooh, we are two down. We have one to go. Barry, lucky dip number three. Get me the piece of paper. I'm going to let you pick it. Good stuff. Here we go. It's a lovely piece of papers. I don't want the listeners to think that I'm peeking. There it is. And it's disgusting again. <laughs> Sorry, sausage fingers. You freaking go and wash your hands. It's more grease on there. All right. At least I can read it this time. Thank you, Barry. And Barry, thank you for your service. Let's call it that. The last topic, our last topic for today's weaknesses, the run, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, all right. I better have a sip of my beverage. Yes, the run. Thank you. That's very tasty. 
running as your weakness. All right, so this is a good one. Actually, this is quite good that this came out of Lucky Dip because this has some crossovers with injuries. So how can you focus on the run if it is a weakness? And how can you do it, folks, starting right around now, now-ish? It's doable, and you can even fit it into the other topics that we talked about today, a focus around uh, building up the resilience to injuries and also a swim project. That's the good thing. What you need to do is actually actionable. And I think the best way to start this conversation is not just going from weakness to strength, but actually highlight what you shouldn't do. Because many, many people view their run, particularly in triathletes, their run as their weakness as well. And if you are a weaker runner, here's what you shouldn't do. Do not go and train for a marathon. At least don't go and train for a marathon in thinking it is going to help you become a better runner for triathlon. In fact, really even a better runner in itself. This just simply isn't the solution. Now, in order for me to provide context here, I've got to go on a small tangent and a little bit of clarity as well. We have lots of folks right now who are either just finished or preparing for or racing marathons. It is the fall. It's very busy. Chicago, Boston, New York, Cal International, Berlin and more. The list goes on. And here I am telling you today on this show to not go and do one. So let me clarify. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you training for a marathon if you want to go and do something different, fun. You want to love an experience. Look, Boston Marathon, goodness me. How could I ever begrudge anyone from doing that? And we're on this journey as hobbyists, and it's all part of life's rich pageant. And so there are some great experiences, and you should go out and live and do this stuff. And it's absolutely okay to do. Our job is just to work out the best route to it, and of course, then recover and get back onto your broader performance path that maybe includes triathlons or whatever else you do. What I don't like is an athlete deliberately targeting a marathon in the hope or false belief that it's going to help them become a better runner or a better Ironman runner off the bike. That's not how it works. This is how it works. Becoming a better runner in our lens and our goals. So here is a smarter approach that you can actually begin right now, coming off to today's show and put into action. Number one, take on a smart run project. Now, this is very much the same of what we discussed earlier in the show relating to injuries. You want to build a running habit. So what I encourage you to do is absolutely release, push away the focus on fitness and getting faster. Ignore your metrics, your splits, your hard intervals. Put those aside for a while. And instead, go into a phase of preparation. Build muscle and tissue resilience as well as neurological programming, a nice sort of butchering of physiology there, but the dialogue between brain and muscles and become motor programmed at doing this activity. And do it by integrating a series of short, very, very frequent and easy form-based running. Now, these runs can range from 10 minutes to 50 minutes potentially with one longer run a week, maybe a little bit of spark of intensity as well in one session a week. But it is almost daily, very easy running for several months in a row. And what will happen is this imperceptible 
really low level build of tissue resilience and a platform of fitness. And it doesn't demand much cognitive load or physical load. It's really easy. You are building the running habits. That's a great way to build resilience to injury, as we talked about, but also become a platform then to build some much, much more challenging and harder run sessions that are going to be the yield. So at this time, the run project. Great. That's number one. Number two, commit to strength. Strength training for your athleticism, for tissue resilience, structural health, and developing a platform of strength so that you can most effectively improve your posture, your form, and your run performance. It is a wonderful time. I don't need to say anything more about that. And finally, number three, and this is a huge one. I invite you to lean into a multi-sport lens. So we discuss swimming. Now, swimming is a hugely valuable non-weight-bearing route to improve cardiovascular conditioning. But what about also leveraging other sports? Yes, please. You can improve running via other sports. Now, the most obvious of these is the bike. Bike training has a lovely, nice cross-pollination effect to run performance, particularly when you leverage what we call at Purple Patch, the Purple Patch Special Source. And that is some high-torque, low-cadence riding. It's actually really called strength endurance. We'll keep it as the special source. Now, this needs to be done right, and it must be done to be effective with great form, posture, and proper pedaling. That's why we absolutely love our video-based coaching, so that we can see you and guide you via video to make sure you're doing it well. Now, when we see athletes tackle this and start at this time of the year, and say, you know what, I'm going to get in, I'm going to go and do the strength endurance work, and they do this bike training for the first time, almost every time, what happens is a knock-on effect, a bump in run performance. And you get quotes like this. This is a direct quote from one of my guys, Dennis. This is absolutely crazy. My running load dropped, and I am running faster than I ever have. Now, I don't want to sound like a quack doctor, but guess what? It's true. Yes, multi-sport, not necessarily triathlon, but multi-sport, and particularly the strength endurance special source. It is a great platform that is only amplified when then later we introduce the running hills and the speed work, and boom, you're suddenly, when you sit at this time next year and you reflect again, back to our affinity cycle of performance, and you go back to the re-engagement and you go, crikey, I'm much better at running. And it happened because of what you do now. Pretty sparkly, don't you think? But on top of that, there are other sports that can also be woven into great effect. You might not be a bike rider. And there's good news on this, folks. Here's a quick list. Number one, cross-country skiing. Yes, winter sports, and it's a really good thing. It's a great sport. You're outside, but it also develops great cardiovascular conditioning and also strengthens and improves endurance in the same leg muscles that are particularly the muscles that tend to be poorly utilized for weaker runners. So these are what you would call the posterior chain. 
get your hand, turn it palm out and brush it down your butt, your glutes, your hamstrings, all the way down to your calves. Those muscles are activated in cross-country skiing. They're the muscles we want to activate in running. So yes, cross-country skiing, a really good thing. Number two, rowing. Yes, rowing. Bring out the erg, ladies and gentlemen, because while it is a total body sport, is actually leg driven. Looks like you're driving from the arms, but no, you drive from the legs. And that leg drive activates the same posterior chain. And it forces as well, in addition to that, a great awareness and improvement in your posture. That is the first element to run performance. You have to be able to maintain good posture. So boom, rowing is good. And finally, oh, a bit boring for me, but many people love it, the elliptical trainer. Many folks don't find it fun, but it is a really safe and non-weight-bearing modality that mimics probably most closely running mechanics. And of course, you don't have the tissue load. So it's a really good sister for the running frequency model. Hmm. So you want to become a better runner. Don't just load massive miles. Don't go and train for a 5K or a 10K or a half marathon or a marathon. Don't pile on hugely challenging sessions. Instead, focus on frequency, athletic development, and lean into a multi-sport lifestyle. It's no wonder that we are launching our multi-sport focus run squad in the new year. Because that's it. That's what we're doing. Because it makes sense. And we want to fix the brokenness approach that so many people have to running training for time-starved athletes. I'm sick of hearing people going, oh, I'm just a crap runner. I can't run because of my knees. Every time I run and just get injured, it's terrible. I'll leave it to the light, folks. There are so many frustrated people out there, and we can really fix it. At least I believe we can. And so, guys, there we go. Three weaknesses pulled out of the magic golden jar full of greasy fish and chip, Barry's laden fingers. Ugh. But between now and next week, Barry's going to go and work on his handwriting. We'll have more topics. Of course, as I mentioned, if you want to know about one of your weaknesses, just email us at info at purplepatchfitness.com and we will be sure to put it into the next show. It won't be next week, but we are very much looking forward to readdressing, shoring up your weaknesses in the future. We will revisit this topic. But in the meantime, I hope that today's session really helped provide some perspective. And as well, I hope that you start to be inspired because it is time for us to transition weakness to strength. Let's become like Thor. In the meantime, look after yourself, stay healthy. Remember, complacency is the killer. Don't get complacent, guys. All right, I give you my heart. Thanks so much. Until next week, take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. And if you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if we share with your friends and really go the extra mile. Head over to Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to follow, rate, and review the show. Your support and reviews go a long way to increasing our visibility and, of course, the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive, just like me and you.
Don't forget, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Links to the episode resources and all of our programs can be found at purplepatchfitness.com. Thanks much for listening. Take care.